are <coughs> growing apostolic, apostolic legacy. And so uh, they are, uh, we are doing our best to have, we have a great heritage here, and we are doing our best to hold on to that. I know uh, I heard this week from uh, uh, friends in Australia and Singapore and around the world and what's going on there. Uh, they are now in Singapore doing Zoom prayer meetings into China. And so a lot's been going on and happening in the midst of <clears throat> this pandemic. And I, I appreciate all that God is doing locally. We have <clears throat> the Woolards here, great uh, uh, young couple and their children. And they have, uh, have been involved, got baptized, received the Holy Ghost. And uh, last week, Sister Jess Willard came up out of the baptistry speaking in tongues. So it was a great, uh, great uh, experience with God. And so, uh, and Brian has been baptized. So we've, we've uh, doing, the Lord is still moving and touching. And I, I realize um, as I was studying and reading the word, and it's something that I have seen before uh, with regard uh, to new in the Bible, but I had never really uh, made a deal over it. Not that a deal has to be made about it, but I began to see the phrase that is really only used by Paul uh, when he says Christ Jesus and Paul coined that phrase now we know in the Gospels he's called Jesus Christ and uh, Christ is the anointed one or the Messiah and Jesus is Yahweh or Jehovah saves uh, Joshua whatever word you want to put in there with regard to that and yet when Paul and they would say, uh, thou art the Christ, thou art the anointed one. Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And yet Paul, in his writings, in numerous of his books, talks about Christ Jesus. And I, you know, you say, Jesus the Christ, you know, the, <coughs> Christ Jesus. He made it almost like a name that this was the Messiah. And so I was looking in uh, his writings to the church of, uh, at the Philippians, and he probably pinned that letter from jail, and I saw that he used the phrase in that, uh, those last couple of chapters uh, numerous times. And so I thought, he was talking about forming Christ Jesus. And he also used the phrase in Galatians. But if you have, uh, if you look uh, there, I, I put this little picture. I don't know if you look carefully. Uh, I don't know if you can see uh, this uh, <coughs> Right there in the eyeball, in the pupil, there is sort of a, a superimposed picture of Jesus and a cross. Can you see that on, the, on that picture? Sort of a, a little picture of uh, Jesus there as um, he is 
forming uh, Christ in us. So I don't know. Uh, so Christ in us, the hope of glory. So anyway, Galatians, uh, to read where Paul talked about that. <clears throat> Paul in Galatians, fourth chapter, and the fourth through the 19th verses, he reads it, he says it like this. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What he was saying is, the, power, the fact that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have received the adoption of sons. And we can cry, Abba, Father, which is like saying, Daddy, uh, uh, the Abba being more of a term of endearment, that we are close, in a close relationship. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. If a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And then he uses that phrase, Christ Jesus. My little children, of whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. Now, I, I realize, as I said, that there are numerous places where, you know, when uh, devils came out of individuals, uh, and they were cast out in Luke, the fourth chapter, they professed that Jesus was the Christ. The devils recognized who it was. Simon Peter, as I mentioned, said, thou art the Christ. In fact, Whenever they were putting Jesus on trial, the high priest turned to Jesus to say, Are you the Christ? Trying to get him to say that he was so they could prove that he blasphemed. In fact, Martha herself, when Lazarus had passed away, she said, uh, when Jesus said, Martha, he'll live again. She confessed that, well, we know, Lord, that uh, you are the Christ, uh, yet you didn't come and heal him. You could have raised him. But Paul was the only writer that used that phrase, Christ Jesus. In other words, it was almost like it was part of the name. He identified, this is the guy. You know, Jesus did not become the Messiah to Paul. He was the Messiah, the anointed one. The one that was, in fact, uh, the, the Savior that was going to come and, of course, had transformed, uh, in fact, opened the door for us as Gentiles. And so, you know, you have to understand that when Paul was in prison, and, it, and we've seen uh, excavations in Rome when, many years ago where they showed prisons and they, they down in the very lowest part of, of an area and, and it wasn't, you know, uh, I call it club fed. I also got to tour Leavenworth Federal Prison one time when we were evangelizing and, and uh, preached in Leavenworth, Kansas. And man, it was, uh, I don't want to say bad or good, I guess. There was wire around it, but they had tennis courts and jogging courts back then and uh, TVs and, uh, you know, ping pong. Record. I mean, I thought, wow, this looks like a resort. 
was more stuff than I got. And uh, they had houses where their families could come and visit and stay for two or three hours and visit them. And, you know, and they were like little apartments set up. And they, and yet all of this was, you know, the white collar, you know, people that had done uh, whatever. And so here it was. Well, there, Paul wasn't in that kind of a jail. And he wrote to all the saints and he opened his letter in the first chapter of Philippians, the first chapter to all the saints in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. Second chapter, he said some of the famous words that we've quoted, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, he said it who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and made and, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And so there's sort of the beginning. If Christ is going to be formed in you, Christ Jesus, you have to take a road of humility. It can't be all about you and what you want and what you don't want. And well, I'm willing to do this, but I'm not, I, you know, I'll, I'll bring and I'll add to the Lord and I'll do this. Part of the time, it requires a complete and total humbling myself under the mighty hand of God. If you want Christ formed in you. It's, it's like... You know, I, I, unfortunately, you have to give yourself over to the process. It's like you cannot have a child. A lady cannot have a child unless she undergoes the process. You say, well, I want to have a child. Well, maybe you can adopt one. And that we know the Lord adopted us and all this. But the fact remains that we have to, if Christ is going to be formed in us, and change us from the inside out. We have to humble ourselves. <clears throat> you know, uh, it, it's not about my feelings, my dreams, my goals, my ideas, my desires. It can't be about, well, this is not my personality. And it's not who I am. And I'm not, you know, I, I, would, I would serve the Lord, but I'm not into going to church. Well, I'm not. It don't matter what I am. It's what does he care? What does he want me to do? Well, I'm not into that. I'm not, I'm not into reading my Bible. I don't kind of like to read. I don't like to talk to him. You know, I, it's not about that. I, I have to pick up the phone, hit the word, hear what he has to say. All of a sudden, if I want Christ formed in me, I have to be willing to open myself and make myself available, Lord, whatever you want. Wherever you want, however you want. Well, I had always wanted to be, it doesn't matter what I had wanted. Well, my feelings, well, my personality. Well, in fact, James said, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you find yourself in a spiritual battle, the only way to properly resist the devil is to submit first to God. And say, well, I, you know, I, and I've, I've told folks, well, you need to pray. You need to sing. You need to, you need to get the Bible out. You need to walk. You need to shake your fist at the devil. I, that's kind of not who I am. Okay. 
How can you say that you want to truly resist the devil if you're not going to submit to someone who's trying to help guide you? Huh? You say, well, pastor, I don't think that's, I don't think that's necessary. And I don't think, and I don't. Let me just tell you, in this hour, we need the Lord to come through. It's not about what I think. You say, well, I don't think it's right. It, you know what? It, don't, it may reach the point where it doesn't matter whether you think a mask is important or not, or six feet or not. It doesn't matter what I, and I want to tell you, we submit to authority. How much greater should I submit to the authority of the Spirit and say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to do anything you want. I want Christ formed in me. I don't want to be in this hour where I feel like I know more than the Lord. Simon Peter wrote about this same understanding when he said, Younger, submit yourselves to the elder. All of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting. Now, those verses, then he says, casting all your care on him. You know, sometimes folks want to give God when they're under the gun. And the pressure's coming in. Oh, I, I want God to help me carry this. Have I been humbling myself under God? <laughs> he said, have I been submitting one to another? Have I been doing what I could to have Christ formed in me? It's not enough. To at the last go, oh yeah, oh God, help me, get me out of this jam. And we've all been guilty of probably doing that. And yet what the Lord is asking is, I want you somehow to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, and then I'll be there when you want to cast your care. And I realize we, we've all got, had family come and do things and, you know, and be involved and, you know, and they... Who do they call? They call someone on the, in the church. And they get in trouble. You know why? Because they realize on some level they kind of know, I don't have any pull with God. But I know you've been serving Him. So I want you to pray for me. Now I know God will listen to anybody's prayer. But my point in all that is they... They just realized what Simon said. You know, submit yourselves, casting all your care, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What are you saying? I'm saying we're all going through something. <laughs> you know... Like it or not, we're all in the midst of a pandemic. We're all in the midst of an unknown time. But the powerful part about those that have been trying to humble themselves under the hand of God is that we have a place to dump all of our problems. We have a place to dump all of our situations. We have a place to dump all of our emotions. We can say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to throw it all on you, Lord. That's why... 
I know, you know, we have... <clears throat> here we are at the moment of December, and I, I was looking around, and I saw the decorations in our Christmas, and beautiful, and the poinsettias, and hanging off the lights, and <laughs> remind me, you know, it's Christmas time, and yet... It came as a babe in a manger, but he wants to be more than that. He wants to be someone that will help me carry my burdens. He wants to be someone that will be there in the midnight hour whenever my mind is racing. And when I don't know what to do, I can say, Lord, I humble myself under your hand. Whatever you do, I'm going to be thrilled, Lord. I am. It's not about what I want. I'm willing to do whatever, Lord. And then, But I want you to take this care and I want you to take this problem. And it's not my problem anymore. I'm giving it to you. And that's who we serve. Paul wrote in Philippians the third chapter. In this third and fourth chapter. There are just several steps if you will. Of having Christ formed in us. And he began by really explaining that this is an inward journey. He started this third chapter, and I know the original letter wasn't in chapters, but Paul was getting to the close of his letter, and he said these words, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And so he talks about praising the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, is not grievous. But for you, it is safe. And then he says these three things. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And so, he starts off with how to form Christ in this. It, if you really want Christ to be formed in you, you've got to learn how to rejoice. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. And he was saying, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now, if you're like me, there have been a lot of days I haven't felt like rejoicing. And there have been a lot of times when I didn't feel like saying, thank you, Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? In fact, there have been some days when I wondered, I don't know if I want to get out of, pull the covers down off my head. You know, you wake up in the morning and I just sort of peek out, reach over and get the phone. I wonder what messages are on there today. Oh Lord, maybe you've never felt like that, but that, you know, and yet he then says, beware of false teachers. That's what dogs, evil workers, and concision is all about. The dogs are, are you know, in this hour there are going to be people that, you know, will, are like dogs. Now what do you mean? Dogs don't care who their master is as long as they're being fed. You know? They're just ravenous. <laughs> and so he says, beware of dogs. And some people say that was Judaizers and whatever you want to say. But it, 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 this was all forms of false teachers. Evil workers. Those who profess to be trying to do right and yet they are base. They're not living right. Their actions and their words aren't matching up. And then those of the concision, and those would be Jews or those that had, a, and, and he was referring to circumcision, he was saying that they have outward religion, but nothing inward religion. And he was saying, you know, it's one thing, you know, whenever they're, beware of who's talking to you, that their outside matches their inside. 
And that they're not just all about what can they get. And that they're not just, you know, saying one thing, oh yeah, but they've got a whole other agenda. They're an evil worker. And he then jumps down in what we call verse 3, and he says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. What are you saying? We are supposed to rejoice in Christ Jesus. If you want Christ to be formed in you, you're going to have to learn how to rejoice in Christ Jesus. You say, well, I don't feel very good. I, I don't have a lot of high self-esteem. I don't like my circumstances. I don't, it doesn't matter about who you are, what your talent is, how good looking, what, how, come, how much money I have, what I don't have. It, what it matters is, do I know Christ Jesus? That ought to be enough to rejoice. I don't like where I am. I don't like what's going on. I don't like the pandemic we're in. I don't like what's happening. I don't like any of that. But you know what? I'm still able to come to the house of the Lord and clap my hands and raise a hand and begin to rejoice. God's been great and greatly to be praised. I know in whom I believe. Say, so, well, you know, why wasn't I born into a you know, family that had more means? Or why didn't my parents? Or why didn't my grandparents? Or why didn't my... You ever felt? It spirals us. Huh? Well, how come? How come I'm not better looking? How come I'm not more talented? How come my hereditary is... You know, I, you know, I got diabetes on, on one side and I got you know heart, heart issue and thyroid on why couldn't my parents have been perfectly healthy all their life so I'd never have a problem huh well it's sad and I don't like this and, I, and you know what all the time I'm doing that Christ is not being formed in me if you want Christ to be formed in you, you've got to learn how to rejoice in Christ. I don't care whether the stall is empty. I don't care whether there's no more corn, whether there's no more herd. Old Testament prophets said it doesn't matter what's going on, how much you got, what you don't have. What? Oh, I, I could rejoice if I had a boyfriend, if I had a girlfriend, if I had a if I had a wife, a husband, if I had six kids, if I had a new house. Oh, you, you, pastor, you would just see me. I'd run these aisles. Oh, Christ is not being formed in you yet. If you got to wait to have that. Huh? The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm rejoicing not in what I have, not in what I've been given, not in what I don't have. I'm rejoicing in the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the King of glory. You see, we continually give Him glory. It doesn't matter what we can or can't do. That's why Paul would say, I know that in me, in my flesh, there is no good thing. 
You know, and I, I've had people say to me, well, I just was raised in a bad family and I don't have any self-esteem. Well, get God-esteem in this hour. Rejoice in who God is and the fact that He loved you enough and called you out of darkness. Oh, hallelujah. Because let me tell you, Paul understood the foolishness of God is wiser than anything that a man can have. The weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things to confound those which are despised. God hath chosen, yea, and these things which are not, to bring to naught things that are are, that no flesh should glory. <laughs> In His presence. What are you saying? That if, if this is all about me and what I have and what I can do, but are of Him, are ye in, notice this phrase again that Paul used in the Corinthians, of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Another place Paul said, I glory in the cross. You say, well, you know, remember the song we used to sing, without him I could do nothing. Without him, anybody remember that? I'd surely fail. Without him I would be drifting like a ship. <laughs> If you want Christ formed in you, you've got to get the idea that it's not about me and who I am and what I have or don't have. It's all about I came to worship the Lord. I came to give honor and glory to the Lord. I am here in church because I know I am going to raise my hand and magnify Almighty God. I'm watching online, not because, oh, let me tell you, I'm sure there are a lot better preachers, a lot better programs, a lot slicker lighting shows and all the above. But it's not about all of that. It's about who He is. He is the King of glory. That's what I'm doing it all about. Oh Jesus, Jesus, do you know Him today? Do not, you know, uh, He says, please don't turn Him away. Oh Jesus, Jesus, without Him, how lost I would be. Without Him, how lost I would be. Remember it? We used to say it as a testimony. I need the Lord. I must have the Lord. And then he goes on in Philippians, this third chapter. First he says you've got to rejoice in Him. Not rejoice in your situation. I mean, I've watched today. I've seen, you know, whether it's been many of our folks that have gotten sub by faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto His death. That I may know Him. That I may know Him. When you humble yourself under Him, then all of a sudden you get a hunger to know more about God. I don't have to beat somebody up and say you need to read your Bible. But when you really lo love God, you want to read your Bible. You want to tune in and hear a sermon. You, 
Christ is being formed, you want to know him. It's kind of like falling in love, you know? I mean, oh, I fell in love, you know, what is it now, 43 years ago? We celebrated an, a wonderful anniversary. I didn't even, for her birthday, I didn't get to take her and buy her a hoagie because they shut that place down. And on the anniversary, I forgot. My mom gave her flowers and I forgot. Remember, I got in trouble. This is in November. 43 years. <clears throat> oh, during those dating periods, we didn't have cell phones and that kind of thing. But So it was, you know, send you a card, write you a letter, I want to talk to you, I want to be in your, I want to know about you. Oh, I'm in love, but I don't, you know, what do you like? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Have you talked to her today? No. I used to get up early and drive in early to school so I could see her before she had to go to class. Boy, was I stupid. <laughs> Surprised her one day and she had her hair in curlers. She liked to leave them in curlers until the last minute. <laughs> Embarrassed her. Remember that? I, you know, when I've been having Christ formed in me that I may know Him. That I may know Him. That I may know Him. I, I thought of the story and I, I know my time is up. I finish here. We, there's several more in third chapter and fourth chapter. But you remember the story of Ruth. And she came back with Naomi and the words that we use under the wedding, you know, entreat me not to leave you and all that. She said that to her mother-in-law. But the main purpose she wanted to come back was, I want thy God to be my God. And Naomi, she came into the field and Naomi said, well, you need to go and, you know, glean, which, you know, what glean means in a field it means after they've been cutting the corn or the barley or the rye or the whatever it is that whatever's left. They had little workers, you know, they cut it by hand then. They didn't have machinery, but they had these ladies that would come by, pick up any grain that fell that was just a small, meager amount, just a little. It was not, you know, it wasn't driving a tractor. It was back-breaking, looking through every little row was there a few grains here, especially when you think of barley. A few grains, a few, here was a stalk, here was something. Why? Because we're going to take it home and grind it and make a little bit of food. And This is the only way. We don't have any income. We don't have any money. We don't have the potential for a job. And the Bible uses the word. It's an amazing word. I love it in the first part of Ruth. The Bible uses the word. It was by her hat. It uses the word H-A-P, her hat, that she lighted upon Boaz's field. Like it was just an accident. Let me just tell you something. For those of you who are listening to me, if you really want to know God, your life is not governed by hap. God governs your life when Christ is being formed in you. And here was Ruth who wanted to know God. I want to know your God. I want your God to be my God. He directed her to go to a field. 
And she began to glean there. And Boaz saw her, the owner of the field, and he looks out. Small book, you ought to read it sometime if you've never read it. Remember the story? And Boaz says, who is that lady? And they go, oh, well, that's the lady from Moab that came up here from, with Naomi. It's Naomi's daughter-in-law. You know, her husband died. And so Boaz tells his workers, he says, I want you, another, another famous phrase, he said, I want you to leave some handfuls on purpose. When you're gathering in the grain on purpose, I want you to throw some extra down. They didn't bring it over and put it in her bag. She was still working. She was still breaking. And it didn't feel like it was getting any better. Wow, here's a whole handful. Wow, let me pick that up. And then it went, oh, here's another handful. She picks that up. All because she wanted to know God. God started leaving handfuls on purpose. And you, you, you know the story, those of you that have read Ruth. But, you know, she comes out at the end of the day and she has an ephah, which is about five to eight pounds somewhere in there of grain. You know, a sack of flour full of grain. She wasn't expecting but to get a handful. Now she's got five to eight pounds. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it was amazing. And so Boaz saw her and he said, I don't want you to go to anybody else's field. I want you just to glean in my field. And so the next day she came back and this day wasn't just handfuls on purpose but they carried her over and they said here here we want to pour some grain out for you and they gave her anywhere from oh I don't know 150 to 240 pounds of grain a whole sack of grain a measure of grain she, why? because when you get to knowing God God has a way of opening up the blessing. You just, you know, you don't even sometimes know how to pray. And then, and yet, whenever Naomi, what should I do? Naomi says, go and lay at his feet. And what are you saying? It was at that point, then it shifted from, I now want to know who Boaz is. I want to have that relationship with Boaz. Became the kinsman redeemer. Became the one that ended up marrying her. She became the progenitor of, of, the, uh, of Jesus Christ. What's amazing about that is this little lady that just got a handful uh, every once in a while but she wanted to know God left and when you read the end of the story she is the lady that really owns all the fields. Because she started by wanting to know God. And God, you can't outgive God. You can't outserve God. You can't. Oh, I, you don't understand. I'm afraid I'll, I, I won't. I won't make it. I'm afraid I won't have any money. I'm afraid I'll go bankrupt. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor there's. I'm just telling you. If you want to know Him, I'm here to tell you today. 
You'll be blessed. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't have a Bentley. I don't have a, this house. I don't have a that. I, but you know what? I, I know him. My dad has a place for me with a street of pure gold. Gates of pearl. What are you saying? Oh, that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering. You say, Pastor, I, 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 want, I want something from God. You've got to first open your heart to say, Lord, I want you to be formed in me in this hour. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Well, let's stand. I know my time is up. I appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. I appreciate you tuning in. I know Paul goes on and he talks about apprehending God. Apprehending God. Can you believe it? Catching God. It's not that he's trying to hide from us, but it means that I got to put some effort into this. Serving God doesn't just happen. Oh, well, I'll get, if the Lord wants me to have the Holy Ghost, let Him just zap me. It's not going to happen. You have to apprehend Him. I have to reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. You remember, didn't matter who the crowd was, the little lady with the issue of blood. <laughs> I'm not allowed to be here. But oh, I see my source. The one that can help me through the crowd. And the Bible says she began to push her away. Why? I want to touch the hem of his garment. If I could but... What are you saying? That's where we are today. We want to know him. Hallelujah. If you want to be prayed for. If you want prayer, you can come. If you want to worship where you are, we're just going to take a moment and just feel after God. Reach for God. Know God for just a moment. Hallelujah.